Dr. Zubin Demanya. Welcome to the ZDog MD show. It's April 25th, Sunday. It's about 2.24 Pacific time. And I thought today's a good day to go live and talk about an update on this whole pandemic thing, because you know we get all kinds of news coming at us from all kinds of angles. And sometimes it's good just to sit down together on a Sunday and hash it out. And I gotta say, with some exceptions, for example, India, which is absolutely a massive tragedy, a massive tragedy, and parts of the world that are still surging, I have to say that the United States, I think, has turned the corner. And as we've been talking about over the last few months, I think we're seeing what looks like the end of this pandemic and largely brought about by vaccines. So let's dig into this, bring your questions. I'm gonna pull up your comments right now. It takes a couple clicks, so bear with me. There's, I'm going live to YouTube locals and Facebook. Genevieve is here, Jenna Arm, Armerding is here on YouTube, says, yeah, I never get to catch the lives. Well, now you do, girl. Uh, and let's, uh, let me pull up the, there it is, there's Facebook. So fa we got all the comments. All right, guys, let me close this out. We got people in Delaware, Joanne Wells from the UK. Thank you for calming me on vaccines. Let's talk about vaccines and the calming influence or lack thereof. So this week, last couple of weeks has been quite remarkable because we have the AstraZeneca vaccine in um, non-US parts of the world. And we have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the US part of the world. Now. What do they share in common? They're adenovirus vector vaccines. They use a adenovirus that doesn't replicate in humans to deliver DNA to tell our cells how to make the spike protein that we then make an immune response to. That's how those vaccines work. It turns out they share something else, which is the possible and likely rare, rare, rare side effect uh, or adverse event in particularly women ages 18 to around 50 of this thing they're now calling thrombo thrombocytopenia and <clears throat> thrombosis syndrome or TTS. They were calling it VITT for a while, vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia. All of that is a fancy way of saying in rare cases, they can cause these unusual syndrome of clotting, particularly in unusual places like the brain, the cerebral uh, sinuses, cerebral vein sinus thrombosis. And in like, the abdominal veins, places that are not usual. And this syndrome is accompanied with low platelets. Platelets are a component of our blood's ability to clot. And we've talked elsewhere about the theories about why this happens, how it works, how you treat it, et cetera. Now, again, the syndrome's quite rare, but it may end up settling out at like one in 150,000 in the at-risk group, which, you know, the, the risk of getting hit by lightning is something like one in 500,000, all right? Now, the risk of getting COVID and being in the ICU depends it could be up to seven in 100,000 if you're in a group that gets a lot of exposure, even if you're young, right? So it really depends, it's not a simple answer. So how do you judge risk? Well, so what the United States did and European authorities have done prior to that is they put a pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Europeans had put a pause on AstraZeneca. And the idea is like, oh wait, we're seeing these, this safety signal. It's showing up in our adverse event reporting, doctors are reporting it. So maybe what we should do is um, pause it while we figure out what's going on. Well, <clears throat> as you guys know, once you pause, put a pause on a vaccine, it sends a signal to the public, which is we're not sure about this anymore. Like we emergency used to authorized it. We didn't see a big signal in, this, in the trials. Now we're seeing this very small signal, but it may be real. Let's put a pause and figure out what's going on. So you could see both sides to this. Well, one side is, well, yeah, you should do that because we don't know what's happening and let's play it safe. The downside is they had enough information to go, okay, this is not widespread. You know the group that it's in. You could put a warning out or a specific thing saying, hey, don't give it to women in this age group or whatever, but instead they put they paused the whole thing. Now the public is very, very scared, understandably, about that particular vaccine. And with, with some adverse um, mental baggage that goes then with the other vaccines too, by the way, thank you, uh, Lynn, for the uh, support on PayPal, you can support the show on paypal.me forward slash MD. It helps pay all the bills and all that, keep us sucker free. So this now kind of poisoning of the, of the well with these vaccines is one of the downsides of this because people get very nervous. I've gotten hundreds of messages from young people who are like, you know, I just got this vaccine before they paused it. What should I look for? I'm so scared. And people are anxious already. We've ratcheted up 
societal anxiety to untold levels. We're so afraid. We've taken fear and we've reified it. We've made it something to worship at the temple of. We're all scared of this unknown bat coronavirus out of Wuhan and everybody's, uh, uh, um, you know, over the last year, we're tired of the lockdowns and we're tired of masks and we're tired of not our kids not being in school. We're tired of elderly loved ones dying alone on ventilators, in hospitals. Um, it is, it is, Terrible. And look at what Ed does. So Ed's from Brazil. He's on YouTube. He sent uh, some money there via super chat, got my attention with a big bright yellow thing. And it says, I am a Brazilian medical student. You inspired me to get into healthcare. Wow, that's inspiring and also scary. Sadly, this pandemic has made me really hopeless. Can you give me some advice? Okay, so this is what I want to say about all this. <clears throat> Vinay Prasad and I talked about Johnson & Johnson and why he thinks they actually should have just said, don't take it for women in that age group because we have other options. I feel like you could give a very good warning and keep an eye on it and let people make rational decisions. Um, but either way, whatever it is, we have great vaccines. The mRNA vaccines are unbelievable. AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson are great vaccines, but they have that caveat. <clears throat> now, Ed, I just wanna wrap that thought up. Ed, the hopelessness comes from societal, this conditioning. So. I gotta say this, now I live in the California, San Francisco Bay Area. People are so conditioned now that they, they distance from each other when they're walking across the street. They're all masked up. They're masked up outdoors, right? They're masked up indoors. Now that's fine, indoors makes sense. Outdoors never effing made sense to me because the data on outdoor transmission says if it happens, and it, and it can happen, it's exceedingly rare compared to poorly inter, uh, ventilated interior spaces. And often when it happens outside, it's when people are, talking to each other for a prolonged period of time close up without masks outside. So that's very similar to just getting droplets on each other and that kind of thing. It's a lack of distancing. So if you're at a rally, if you're at a concert outdoors, it may still make sense to wear masks because you're gonna prevent the droplet spread and lower the inoculum of your own inhaled particles. But for everybody else, what we've done now, Ed, is we have, we've changed the fundamental fabric of how humans relate to each other in society. We've instilled a kind of fear of the other. So now even our own tribe, our own community is other. Oh, it could be a dangerous disease, right? There's the social and the moral contagion of this that is not helped by when you watch on the news and you see crematoria in India where their, their exhaust chimneys are melting from the number of bodies they're having to cremate. And we'll talk about India. And so, there's real reasons to be afraid, and then there's a societally generated fear that is not real, it's constructed, but it becomes real when we reify it, when we make it real in our minds. And that's this sense of hopelessness that you feel, is the sense that are we ever gonna get back to normal? If you're young, it sounds like you might be because you're a dental student. This is sucked away. Remember, when you're young, if you're 20, your life experience comes in 120th fragments, right? Each year is 120th of your life. It's a big component of your life. For me, I just turned 48 last Friday. Like a year is like, it's gone before it even happened. So for me, a pandemic is like a rounding error on my life experience. But for young people, it can generate such a, such a sense of hopelessness because it seems like their whole life becomes this. They're in the prime of life, talking about high school graduation missed, medical school graduation missed, nursing school graduation missed, missing going and rounding in person and getting that in-person educational experience, um, the mentorship, those kind of things that's dropped away. Going on the street and fearing your fellow human, everybody masked up so you can't read facial expressions, dehumanization at every turn, every possible avenue that we could possibly dehumanize, putting a mask on a two-year-old. Just feel that for a second. It's dehumanizing and it's not necessary for a two-year-old according to all the data we have. So in a way we've become emotional reactive creatures that are guided to some extent by social media panic, but on all sides, the deniers who say the thing doesn't even exist, they're just as wrong as the people who want to lock their two-year-old in a basement with triple masks from a scientific standpoint, as far as we can tell. And again, we don't have all the data. We may find out later we're wrong about everything, in which case we update everything that we said. Um, and the truth is 
is, is evolving, but here's where we are now. And this is why I think your hopelessness should evaporate soon. And, and look, you're in Brazil, so you're seeing a terrible pandemic. And honestly, the more I, I experience this, the more I realize pandemics are so multifactorial. Some of them are behavior, yes, but n a lot of it is how the virus behaves in big populations when it's already out of the bag, which it is in most of the world, right? Short of draconian measures that only the Chinese can pull off or the New Zealanders because they're geographically isolated, had a low community burden to begin with and were in the Southern hemisphere during the peak of it, so having summer. Um, the thing is just gonna do what it does to some degree. And you can mitigate if you know what you're doing, but we don't know what we're doing properly. Um, thank you, uh, Black Outcast Media Broadcasting uh, for your comment and your donation, by the way. Um, anyway, so, you know, like, like they say, isolation, infection, or vaccination, those are the three ways out. So the way out through a pandemic is through it. And the question is, how do you get through it? So. You can isolate yourself and try to stay as safe as you can. You can get infected, in which case you have immunity, at least to non-variants. There's some evidence that you can get reinfected with variants, but usually that reinfection is not severe. And you can get vaccinated. And the vaccines are absolutely surprisingly brilliant. I did not, that was one thing I got terrifically wrong. I didn't think we'd have a vaccine for like a year and a half, two years, and I didn't think that vaccine would work very well. I was thinking like 50, 60% efficacy. I mean, this is absurd what we've seen, absurd, it's a gift. It's a gift of ingenuity, of science, of government and private partnership. It's transpolitical, like Trump actually pulled that off, Operation Warp Speed, and Biden is actually accelerating the, the delivery of the vaccine. Like we should be celebrating in the damn streets because look what's happening in the US, even in Michigan where everyone was like, well, look, Michigan's vaccinating and they're still getting this big surge. Not among vaccinated people. The faster we vaccinate, the more this thing starts to disappear. And if you say the word variant, I'll slap you across the face because you can get variants and still have enough immunity from these, vac these very powerful vaccines that you're not gonna get severely ill or hospitalized, which is all we really care about. There will always be exceptions. There's nothing perfect. If you strive for perfection, you're worshiping at the altar of safetyism and you will fall on your face in front of that altar and die there on your feet on your knees, I should say, because there's no such thing as perfect safety. There's only risk management for every single person. You can't keep anybody perfectly safe. Take a walk across the street, you're taking a risk. That's just how it is. But now we have the situation where we have reached an inflection point in the United States where roughly half, I think, of adults have had at least one vaccination. And then we have all the natural infection that's led to natural immunity. And look what's happening. The cases are declining. Of course, we also have a warming trend in, in the spring with all these other things happening, right? So let's stop shaming people for the behavior. Let's start opening up. And I'm gonna say this right now in the United States, we need to take our masks off outside. End of story. Take your mask off, stop the mask mandates outside. They were never a great idea. They're a terrible idea now. Now, with those exceptions that I said, if you have a big, dense gathering, it makes sense, right? But if you're just walking on the street, going about your life, or outdoors in nature, requiring a mask, when you're passing someone, even if you're not six feet, by the way, the six feet thing is total BS. Now the CDC is like, well, it could be three feet, because nobody knows the answer to that. You know, when you make these kind of mandates, you better, with that are behavioral mandates, right? They're saying it's your fault if you get COVID. You better freaking have data. The burden of proof is on you, right? To take away liberty and human social interaction because you're saying I'm gonna enforce a distancing among humans who evolved over millions of years to be close to each other. So you better prove that that actually helps. And honestly, the jury is out. But right now, we ought to take those outdoor masks and burn them. Indoor is a different subject. Outdoor, this is ridiculous now. And part of the reason you should do that is if we don't start reinstilling optimism and hope, why would anyone want to even bother getting the vaccine? You know, with Fauci out there saying, you better keep wearing your mask, even among vaccinated people. So, well, okay, no, that's the wrong messaging. It's just the wrong messaging. People 
need to feel like this thing is gonna change their life for the better. And you know what it is? That's the honest truth. So why can't we just tell them that? And then with the Johnson and Johnson and all this drama, it's like, look, okay, now you're scared of that. Talk to your doctor about it. It's all about personal risk. Ultimately, you have to decide, first of all, if you wanna be vaccinated, I don't think anyone should push you to do it. And this idea of vaccine passports is just hooey. Just can we stop talking about it? Just get a significant portion of the population vaccinated voluntarily. And we don't even have to talk about this stuff. We just go back to opening up. Will some people still get sick? Sure. Unfortunately, that's the reality of a pandemic. What we don't count are the costs of our response, which are legion. They're numerous. They're TNTC, as we say in the lab. It was just lab week. Too numerous to count. And yet nobody's really counting them yet. But I bet when we count them after this whole hoo-ha is over, we'll go, man, mm, our response was not good. Now, let's take some comments and then we'll talk about India a little bit. Um, in Australia, we didn't need to wear them outside, mainly on public transport and inside supermarkets, Tara Lee. That sounds good to me. Because in public, you know, in, the, in a bus, there's not great ventilation. Yeah, wear a mask. In supermarkets, absolutely. Especially because remember, you're around people who are vulnerable. Even if you're not that vulnerable, other people are. So then it's like just a, it's a personal benefit and it's a community benefit. It's perfect. It's like vaccination. Vaccination has external benefit for others and it has personal benefit for you. Now, does it have personal benefit for a four-year-old in coronavirus? The answer is probably not. The vaccine probably has very little benefit for a four-year-old because their risk of dying of COVID is infinitesimally small. It's not zero, but it's quite small. So the downside of the vaccine for them is feeling crappy for a couple days or whatever it is, right? It's these kind of symptomatic things and the having to take them twice to the doctor, instilling in more fear of needles in them. These things aren't without costs. You know, what Vinay Prasad and I were talking about this, the anti-anti-vaxxers, like the very gung-ho pro-vaxxers who are of course part of my tribe. I mean, this is, I was this way for a long time in that vaccines could do no wrong because the childhood vaccines we have were so awesome, are so awesome. And the anti-vaxxers are so, the hardcore ones are so delusional in a lot of their thinking. In other words, I'm talking about the, the really crazies. I'm not talking about mom who's like got questions and is concerned and has heard stuff and needs to be talked to and, and listened to and have the fears acknowledged and sat with. No, I'm not talking about her or him. I'm talking about these delusional guys. So, so the anti-anti-vaxxers have this thing. No, no. So when Johnson and Johnson, when it for, when the signal first came out with AstraZeneca that there may be clotting, right? My conditioned elephant was like, wait, no, that can't be. It was like Luke Skywalker when Darth Vader tells him, I'm your father. Spoiler alert. After the fact, he goes, that's impossible. And he's all emotional. That's how we were emotional conditioned creatures. So my unconscious elephant that I ride on, I think I'm controlling, is telling me that's impossible. Look for data that says it's it's a fluke or it's correlation and not causation. And I did, and I couldn't find that data. And luckily I've been working on myself a little bit, which I highly recommend. We call it the alt-middle integral thinking where you're able to recognize your biases and take a step and then respond by going, okay, am I just confirming a bias here? So dug into the data, talked to experts privately and said, what's really going on here? And they told me, hmm, this is interesting. This could be a real correlation or a real causative link. It's not, it's not out of the realm of possible. It has biological plausibility. We're seeing it in a very small number of people, but you have to give the vaccine to that many people to even have the signal show up and so on. And uh, and then I said, well, wait, and then you read some of the studies talking about anti-PF4 antibodies, and you go, oh, no, I think this thing is real. So now what do you do? Well, now you've got to educate the public and tell them the truth and go, this is what's going on with this vaccine. Here's how you can think about your own risk. I think it's still a good idea for most people, except for these people. Can we treat adults as adults who make decisions? I think we can. Apparently the government doesn't think so. They just put a pause on it. Apparently, you know, um, you know, we think that in this very paternalistic public health way, which has its place in certain realms, but I don't think it has its place here. And so tell the people the truth, man, and then let them decide. 
the mRNA vaccines, we haven't seen that signal. And boy, we've had millions of people vaccinated with those mRNA vaccines. Now, here's an interesting spin on that. A lot of women are reporting changes in their menstrual cycle, more heavy menses, more heavy bleeding. Some people are even having some postmenopausal sort of bleeding and spotting. And th there was a New York Times article on this by a female physician who said, yeah, it could well be that when you fire up an immune response from the vaccine, that there's an effect on the female uterine lining, on the endometrium and the hormones that regulate it because inflammation can play a role in that. So it's not beyond the realm of the possible. Is that a deal breaker for getting the vaccine? No, but can it generate a lot of fear and confusion in women when you go, no, 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 no. You're just hysterical. Hyster from the Latin or whatever Greek root for uterus, right? Can we just be honest that we don't fully understand the lady parts in medicine, that it's mostly been studied in men historically and recognize our own bias, put it on the table and go, yeah, there it is. Let's figure it out. It's not rocket science. It's hard. That's not rocket science. Rocket science is hard. They land that shit on Mars. That was hard. This stuff's relatively easy. Um, Amanda Wells on, on YouTube says, yes, she's a supporter on YouTube. Changing in periods, talk about that. I worry for my daughter having to get it later. So I, I, there's no evidence that there's long-term problems. You know, stress can change your periods. Any medications can change your periods. There's a lot of things that affect your periods. But if we don't talk about it openly, then people are gonna assume it's something terrible, especially since with the mRNA vaccines, there was that early misinformation where uh, this idea of female sterilization, like these vaccines cause female sterilization because of this um, uh, homology with syncytin 2 or whatever it was. And I did a video on this. It's hooey. It's absolute hooey, right? It's just not true. But we did look at it. We said, oh, okay, let's take it seriously. No, not true. Doesn't cause female sterilization. But now that drags into the period thing. Well, but now then why are my periods screwed up, right? Um, and then on top of that, now you have the really delusional wing of the anti-vaxxers, these Sherry Tenpennies and Dell Bigtrees and these kind of cuckoos that are saying things like, um, oh, but the mRNA vaccines cause not viral shedding, which is a big anti-vaccine trope, viral shedding, like you're shedding virus and by getting vaccinated, you're actually making people sick, which is again, hooey. Um, although there's some, th the scientific root of that, we'll talk about another time where that myth comes from. Now they say, no, it's actually protein shedding because we know there's no live virus in the mRNA vaccine, although they will, some people will lie to you and say there is, there isn't. Uh, you're, you're teaching your cells to make the coronavirus spike protein. And now you're gonna excrete and shed that spike protein. And that spike protein is causing women near you to have screwed up periods. That's literally what they're saying. Now, if that sounds like science fiction, it's because it is. They're like, it's a pheromonal effect. Like we synchronize our screwed up menstrual periods because of this shedding of spike protein, which by the way, doesn't happen. Where would you shed spike protein from exactly? It's made locally in the deltoid muscle where the vaccine is injected. It breaks down very rapidly because it's destroyed by our own immune system and natural breakdown. There's no virus continuing to produce it. If, the, if that were true, natural COVID infection would be causing a pandemic of menstrual dysfunction around the world. And it would be contagious even among people who didn't catch the virus. And we don't see that. We're not seeing a, a mensapocalypse, right? A periodemic. You see what I'm doing here? I'm just, I'm just making this shit up as we go. Um, let's keep going. Uh, Amanda Wells says, thanks for the common sense. You're very welcome. Um, what about reports of people having a greater risk of shingles post-vaccine, Becca Hampton? I've seen that. I don't know if that risk data-wise is actually higher than the background rate of shingles in a population. So that's what needs to be looked at. And I haven't looked at the data on that, but I'm sure because they're going through the vaccine adverse event reporting system and everything, uh, that's how they caught the J&J &J clots as well. And they'll look at it, but the truth is shingles reactivation sometimes comes when there's immune system challenge or stress. So sometimes the stress of vaccination, even the emotional stress of it might trigger shingles. But the question is, is it out of proportion to what would, we would normally expect the background rate of shingles emergence to be? And that's what needs to be looked at. 
right? Now, remember, there's a shingles vaccine, Shingrix, that is incredibly effective. So highly recommend that if you're of age to get it. Um, let's see. Let's look on uh, Facebook here. Becca Robbins, who sent 50 stars. Thank you for the stars on Facebook, guys. Uh, oh man, I've been on my cycle ever since getting my very first Pfizer shot over a month now. I wonder if there could be a correlation. Talk to your uh, obstetrician or gynecologist, Becca. Christina Francuasa, I have chronic uh, endo, maybe endometriosis, and isn't uh, didn't know till years ago. I'm basically dead for one week of my left. It's horrifying. Okay, that was a, sorry, Christina, the autocorrect or speech thing garbled that comment. Let's keep going. Um, where are we at? Does the data say that uh, there's an increase of spontaneous miscarriage among pregnant women? No, it doesn't, Barbara. It does not, Barbara Hilton on Facebook, who's a supporter. And so, that, you know, and in fact, your danger of actual uh, adverse pregnancy outcome for coronavirus is quite high. So better to get the vaccine. Uh, that's what the the obstetric organizations and the maternal fetal medicine organizations have recommended from very early on is that benefits of vaccine outweigh by far because of risk of COVID. Um, let's see. So, okay, Desi Daru says, uh, the re on YouTube says, the reason it's been is that a fertile, or the women thing is that low blood platelets and possibly injection into the bloodstream instead of muscle. So there, there's this theory that if you inject in bloodstream, uh, uh, you're getting more uh, likelihood of complications. I think that's far-fetched, but not fully impossible. But I don't, I'm not familiar yet with data that's actually looking at it. So I don't know the answer to that. And it used to be we were taught to always withdraw on a syringe before injecting. We don't do that anymore. And there's probably good reason for that. But honestly, I'd be lying to you if I said I'd looked at that data. And I promise I won't lie to you. So I can't lie to you. So I'll say, I don't know. Uh, I heard the hyperacting of the immune system might not allow your immune system to slow back down. Is there any validity to this claim? Tim Kochel, we have not seen that. So the immune system kind of regulates itself. If you jazz it up, I mean, any infection can do that, right, Tim? Like one of the remarkable things about that second Moderna shot that I remember really noticing is that I felt like I had a flu. Like it felt exactly like man flu. The aches and the fevers and the chills and the fatigue and the headache was like I had an infection. What's fascinating about that is there was no infection. That was purely isolated immune response. And that's how the immune response feels. So think about every time you get sick now, the immune response is what's giving you most of your symptoms. The virus itself or bacteria, depending on what you're infected with, is what's causing those local symptoms like cough and phlegm and snot because those are direct viral effects, not so much immune effects. So it's really, really interesting. But yeah, I, there's really not good evidence that that's happening. Thank you, Daniel Hartman on um, uh, PayPal uh, for your comment and support. And actually, what's the comment say? Because this is an interesting one. Apparently I showed up on Brett Weinstein and Heather uh, Hying's uh, podcast. I know that's a dark horse podcast, right? because they're, Facebook's using my video as a fact check against Basha's vaccine theory. Um, yeah, oh, it's a long comment. I'll check it out later, Dan. Yeah, yeah, they're using my video to fact check, which is weird. They didn't ask me to do that. They just went and did that. Um, and I don't, they're often wrong with how they set up their fact checking. So I, I, I honestly, I don't want any part of it <laughs> because they'll tag like Marty McCary's videos as misinformation and put like a, another video on it. And you're like, dude, it's not misinformation. By the way, Marty, who was on my show saying uh, that possibly we would obtain herd immunity by the end of April in the United States, um, it's April 25th. Look what's happening to cases. I wouldn't be surprised if in another five days by the end of April, we start declaring a positive outcome. Now, speaking of that, so for the United States, tear off our masks outside, please. Stop outdoor mask mandates, please. By the way, schools, they should have been open a long time ago. If, if, your, if your teacher's union is saying, no, we need to negotiate this and that and this and that and this and that before we go back to school in the fall in person, you need to fire every single one of those teachers and start fresh because that's 
nonsense. Get vaccinated if you're a teacher and you're, I mean, you were safe even with masks and everything, even without the vaccine. If you look at any of the Swedish data, or these other data, there's really no good evidence that schools are these super spreader events, especially for young kids. There's plenty of evidence that we're harming children. So get kids back to school. Vinay Prasad has extensively looked into this and talked about this. It is a, it's, even, it's an evangelical issue for me because this is what's gonna harm a generation that has the most quality life years to lose. So STFU and get back to school in person with maybe some hybrid if you wanna get nasty about it, but stop, stop this, stop it, stop it, stop it, seriously. This is a kind of a creep of entitlement that's happening here and fear. It's legitimate fear. Legitimately, teachers aren't often supported. That's all true, but now stop, just stop. You're there to teach kids, just like frontline healthcare workers, go see patients, you know? And I get, I'll get hate for it. I honestly don't care. I'm here to tell you what I think is the truth. If you disagree, disagree in the comments and, and tell me where my bias is, because I definitely have bias on this. I have two children that are young and they do not like remote learning. And they're in public school, so they're not, it's not like I'm just gonna pay to put them in a private school so they can go see people, because this is what people do. It's a hierarchical, regressive hurt on the poor and the middle class. That's what we've done, and we've done it systematically. And I think teachers unions are complicit in it, right? And I understand that teachers unions are there to protect because teachers get screwed, but, this is harmful to kids and it's shameful. It's shameful. It's as shameful as letting old people die alone in hospitals, which is my tribe's doing. With, we'll make up all the cultural reasons why we think that's important. Oh, we were keeping people safe, keeping our staff safe. Visitors are crazy. They don't wear their masks, all of this. This person died alone on a ventilator with a fake fucking glove filled with hot water holding their hand and we're proud of that. We're sitting here celebrating our innovation. We put a, 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 a latex glove with hot water in it on this old person's hand so they could die thinking that a human was holding them. Fuck you. Are you kidding me? Let their family member in that room. It's a human rights violation, what we've done. And we will look back on it with a kind of horror and shame, and we should, and we should, we should. It's absolutely horrific. What we did out of fear and stupidity and cultural reticence and inertia uh, it's it's horrible. Um, sorry, I promised I wouldn't curse during this thing and then I get into a live state of mind. I apologize. Please, I would take it back if I could if you just make sure to share the video. I apologize for that. Um, not really, I don't give a fuck. Um, all right. Uh, India, 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 India. I wanna talk about this because this is near and dear to my heart. This is where my parents are from. I have cousins there. One was recently infected with coronavirus and is getting better, thank goodness. Um, it is a mess there and partially because you had a first wave and it's interesting because India has a different climate. The first wave came a little later than the US. They thought they had herd immunity. Um, they thought they had pre-existing T-cell immunity. None of those were invalid thoughts. It's just there wasn't good data that it was happening. And so then they opened up everything in terms of big gatherings, minimal masking, that sort of thing without spinning up vaccinations. So they actually exported oxygen, they exported vaccines to parts of the world that needed it because they needed to fire up their economy after the hurt of the first part of the pandemic and the global depression basically. And now it, if you look at the curve, it goes like this. It's a vertical line of infections. And if you think, any of those of you who've been to India, if you think they're measuring deaths and infections accurately, you're crazy. It's an underestimate by order of magnitude. People in the villages just drop dead and nobody knows. Tons of people with symptoms who are not gonna get tested. They've overwhelmed their healthcare system. Many of people who trained in that system now practice here, taking care of your parents. This is heartbreaking stuff. And we're talking about millions. There's a 1.3 billion population. These folks are at risk. Like if we have extra vaccine, we should be sending it there. They're out running out of oxygen. 
There's fires in the hospitals. I mean, it's crazy. It's apocalyptic stuff, you guys. And again, it's a mix of bad policy, human behavior changing before you have a good reason to change it in the, in the form of vaccines, and you know, more young people getting infected in a, in a classic second wave, which we saw in the 1918 influenza pandemic. Now, again, anyone who says they're predicting this, I think it's very tough. It's tough it, we, you know, figuring it out as we go. But man, we, and vaccines are the answer. Vaccines are the answer. Right now, they got to do lockdowns and all this draconian stuff because people are dying in the streets, literally. Um, and the variant. So there you have UK variant, which is actually a large proportion of cases. A local Indian variant, they keep calling double mutant and all this, just shut up with that terminology. They're variants, They're, they all have multiple mutations. And some of them make it a little easier to spread, some of them make them uh, um, uh, replicate easier, whatever it is, whatever the, the, the change is in the business end of the virus that is gonna make those things happen, it's happening. And so that means that people who have not been vaccinated are at higher risk, it's easier spread um, especially to younger people, and we're seeing that. So what's the answer? Vaccination, mass vaccination, right? And now they're running low on vaccines. They were exporting them. It's a tragedy, right? And you know we can point fingers of blame and all that, and all that's probably there, but we gotta do something. Because we're not isolated on the globe, right? The, the, those infections spread, people travel. It's a big deal, even if you don't care about India, which by the way, I happen to care very deeply about it. You should care for that reason. Amy on Amy Faff on YouTube says, when will clinics and ER stop with the hysteria and actually treat the patient? I had a stomach virus, but PCP sent to the ER, dehydrated bladder infection. It's time to start going back to more business as usual here. If people are reaching a critical mass of vaccination, particularly healthcare providers. If you're a healthcare give her right now and you haven't been vaccinated, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. Unless you have a, some reason not to be and I can't think of one right now. Maybe, oh, I can, sorry. You've been infected. So I get that. I get why you'd wanna save the vaccine for other people and that and there's not a rush to get it. But still, if you want better protection against variants, I think you need a vaccine, right? As long as you're not you know, taking it from someone and now what we're seeing is that's not the case. We're starting to see vaccine exceed appointments now. This is a critical tipping point. So now it's like a mop-up thing, right? Um, so get vaccinated, really, seriously, if you're in healthcare, don't, don't hesitate, get it done. Um, where are we at? So much for language will be clean. The latex uh, glove hand brought out the F-bombs with reason, Dre, Dre uh, Thew, I know, I couldn't help myself. It just gets me, seriously, sometimes I get so angry um, about what we're doing with good intent. Like none of this is bad intent. These aren't evil people. We're doing the best we can. But when you see stupidity from a third-party vantage point, it just, it's hard not to drop F-bombs. And honestly, that's why we evolved that language. It adds a, it adds punctuation, it adds poignancy to something that you are very passionate about. And there's actually data on this, people who curse, et cetera. We won't get into it now, but I'm a believer in using it now judiciously. Sometimes I overdo it because it's my normal patois of how I talk with my friends, um, but, and like my supporter tribe are my friends. So when we do a show often, I'm just like, it's laced with profanity because that's just how I lubricate the conversation. <laughs> that's not how I wanna do it here. Um, George Shepard to paraphy, Paraphrase Bill Murray in Stripes. Just the Vax, Jack. Stripes, great movie. We should care about all people. Patricia McCoy, we should. Expanding circles of compassion is, is a key teaching of any sort of wisdom tradition. Um, and this is no exception. Okay, what else can we talk about, guys? So we talked about India. We talked about tearing off masks outside. <laughs> talked about the tipping point in this country where I think, you know, Vaccines have been miraculous. We talked about Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca. What else? We talked about schools and why I think they need to open. Vaccine passports, uh, uh, Vinay and I talked about on the show on Friday, the live show, definitely check that out. Vinay has a great logical reason to think that it's a dumb idea to use vaccine passports. The bottom line is it won't help. It won't help anything. Just start opening up because a lot of people are vaccinated, they're pretty safe. 
The people who've already had disease, they're pretty safe. The people who are unvaccinated and are gonna go to a restaurant and that kind of thing anyways, they're the type that are gonna take those risks anyways. You're not gonna help them, right? And, and either they get infected or they get vaccinated. We're not gonna probably overwhelm our hospitals anymore. Treat people like adults. If they wanna go out and get sick, they're gonna go out and get sick. People who wanna protect themselves, get the vaccine. So now it becomes a personal responsibility thing, a responsibility to your community thing. And if you don't wanna play those games, then that's fine. Take the risk that you're willing to take. And it's probably gonna affect others much less than it would have in the early pandemic. So let's let people be people now and give them information and give them also wisdom. So it's one thing to tell people, okay, here's the information on the vaccine. We ought to also be saying, yeah, if it were me, I get that. And I did get that. And it's a good reason, it's a good thing for these reasons. So that's just me, bro, but I don't know. And I think if you're a healthcare worker, I think you should get it. As a doctor, I think, what would I do for my family member? Uh, get them the vaccine if they're an adult. If they're a kid, I'm still on the fence about that because I need to be shown evidence that the benefits of that vaccine are legitimate to put my kid through it, right? Because there's other vaccines where I know the benefits legit, the childhood vaccines, HPV, those kind of things. I'm not jumping to get my kids a coronavirus vaccine unless it's mandated by the school, which I think is a little squirrely, depending. Now, colleges is different. These are basically adults, and adults spread this thing pretty fluidly, right? So again, right? And these mRNA vaccines are safe AF, so as the kids say. Um, is vaccine immunity better than natural immunity, Evan Campbell? I think some authorities do think it is. And again, who cares about what authorities think, but there's some feeling that the, the purified spike protein that you're teaching the body to make with those mRNA vaccines, for example, is it generates such a powerful and broad immune response to that spike protein that even if you have multiple mutations, full escape from vaccine is very hard. Natural infection actually comes with some baggage. There's some immune suppression, at least it was felt to be, of interferon, et cetera, um, where the virus actually kind of puts the brakes a little on your own immune system early on instead of triggering this huge immune response early on that the vaccines do. And so, and it's not a purified spike protein. You have all this other stuff that body responds to in terms of other viral um, components. So it's less of a pure neutralizing response than the vaccine might trigger. The booster aspect of the vaccine is another thing, at least in the mRNA vaccines, that may be a little bit different and better than natural infection. Like the first injection, maybe you get this kind of response, but by the second booster, which is another reason probably to get both shots eventually, right? If you haven't gotten both. A lot of people aren't getting both, and you really should if it's made available to you, um, if we're not in a shortage situation, right? Um, that second shot, the boosted effect is legit in terms of what we can measure. And I'll tell you it's legit in terms of what I experienced. First shot, I was like, meh. Second shot, I was like, I'm on my butt. So, you know, there you have it. What do you think about boosters, Cheryl Forbes? I think talking about boosters the most is the dumbest public health messaging I've ever heard in my life. When Pfizer's CEO went out there, screw that guy. Like, and, and he's like, oh, we're gonna have a, a probably a required, likely a required booster in the fall. You don't get to say that, Ace. That's what the FDA and the CDC and public health officials, the WHO, that's what they get to say, that it's recommended or required or whatever. It's, nothing's required or better not be. Um, you don't get to say that. And, and based on what? Because variants, you want better coverage against variants? How much better do you want than not dying, not being hospitalized? Seems pretty good to me. So you wanna then have people come back for another shot that may or may not cause those same like day of symptoms, keeps people out of work, makes them feel crappy. They're scared of needles to begin with. Look, fine, work on that, definitely. Keep an eye on the variants because you could get eventually immune escape. Eventually it can happen. But to talk about this now, when we're just getting people over the fear of this uh, you know, new vaccine that's been in development for God knows how many years, right? Um, no, stop. Don't talk about it. Just stop. The press just needs something to talk about. 
because they're running out of things. When cases start to decline and things open up, it's like, well, now what are we going to talk about? Well, hey, at least there's the colossal tragedy in India. You never, you never see the U.S. media talk about India unless they have nothing else to talk about. You know, when I was in India, it was crazy. Like the the the, the world media is very different. The U.S. is very U.S. centric, which you, okay, I get it. But man, there's a rest of a planet, guys, and it affects the U.S. Right? Remember that big old ship that was stuck in the Suez? Yeah, now you don't have boba tea, San Francisco. <laughs> You're welcome. We're all interconnected. Um, do you think high schoolers should be vaccinated though? Lots of cases at my son's school, June Black. Yeah, so there can be cases at your son's school. How many of them are bad enough that the kid is hospitalized or, or gets, or worse? And how likely are the kids gonna trans, transmit to adults who are vaccinated? That's the question that we should ask. And honestly, as Vinay said on the show, we don't have that data. We don't, the, the, what data we do have says, mm, probably not high risk of both. So then the question is, do you need to require, like you can offer the shots to kids and to their parents can make decisions with the kids, but should you require it for high school? This is a tough question. I'm not sure we should yet especially for a vaccine that's still under emergency use authorization. The reason you'd require it is you say, we're still in an emergency. Well, when cases decline a lot and we're coming into the fall school year, will it still be an emergency? If it is, and our cases are low and there's not a lot of hospitalizations, then I think we're misdefining emergency, right? Let's be honest. And I think, you know, I think people are, would be understandably reluctant if, you, if they're forced to, um, vaccinate young kids. They, they're, they're not seeing the benefit, clearly. Now, if we find out there is a good benefit, you know, for whatever viral dynamics, there's a new variant that preferentially affects kids, whatever, I'll change my tune very rapidly and you'll watch me do it and I'll explain why I'm doing it and I will call myself out. But that has yet to happen, right? But Meaning with this particular issue. It's happened on other things, but it hasn't happened with this yet. Um, yeah, I got the Moderna uh, guys who are asking. Um, Okay, so Jones says there's been 7,400 breakthrough cases and 84 deaths. Talk about that, please. Joan Rusconi on Facebook. So I don't know the exact numbers of breakthrough cases. I know there've been a f quite a few, but exactly within the parameters of what we see the vaccine's efficacy to be. So a vaccine that's 90% efficacious means that 10% of people will still get infected. And the question then is how much severe disease, how much hospitalization? Well, there'll be some. And I don't know if that 84 death count is accurate because some of those people who were um, felt to have died after getting vaccination, they had pre-existing COVID prior to their shot. So, or prior to the second shot, right? So it's not a fully accurate or fair thing, but there will be deaths, which means, because no vaccine is perfect. Some people just don't, they don't respond to the vaccine, especially people with some degree of immune compromise, which means if you have those kind of risks, you'd be safe even if you got vaccinated, you still wear a mask and all that. But if you've been vaccinated around other vaccinated people, even if your vaccine didn't take, your chances of getting sick are very, very, very low. So this is all expected. No one should panic from that. In fact, you should go, yeah, it's not a perfect vaccine. Nothing is. If you saw zero, you start to think the government was fudging the data to try to get you to get vaccinated. But they're not, they're quite transparent about it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, really that's, I mean, I think that that's where we are uh, in the pandemic. Uh, I think I'm gonna wrap up now as we come up upon 50 minutes, but I gotta say this, like um, we need more optimism we need more messaging that conveys accurate hope, which is there. The United States is turning a corner. The rest of the world will, but vaccines will be key, which means the United States needs to do what it's historically been known to do, which is step up for the world and actually help. And, and, and you know, when we talk about India, like, I mean, look, they're the world's largest democracy. If we can't help a fellow democracy, they've helped us. I mean, they export stuff, believe me, how much do we outsource to India? How much have, money have they saved us? I mean, and I'm biased because these are my people, kind of. I'm a Persian immigrant to India that happened 
generations ago because we're my 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 sort of tribe is originally from Iran, but have been living in India for generations, generation like hundreds of years. Um, but it's it's still the ancestral home, and to see it in this state is heartbreaking. So that's my personal plea: is we need to give some consciousness in that direction. All right, guys. I love you guys. Do me a favor, share the video, leave a comment, hit like. Uh, those kind of things help a lot to juice the algorithm so that people see this education. If you wanna support our show and go deeper after this, a little later today, guys, I'm gonna be doing a supporter only show um, where we kind of dive in and have fun and it's much more relaxed and a few F-bombs here and there, sometimes not. Uh, I haven't haven't said hi to my supporters in a couple of days, so I'm looking forward to that. So join that, just go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. If you feel it in your heart to leave a one-time donation and a comment via paypal.me forward slash zdogmd, um, I respond to every single one of those uh, with a personal email. And if you have a comment there, I will respond to it. If it's a medical question, I can't give individual medical advice. It's not ethical. And honestly, my malpractice coverage is not gonna cover it. So, so don't ask me a personal medical question because I can't help you. I wish I could, but I can't. And it's, I'm not your doctor, so it's not ethical. I don't like it when people do that online. I don't think it's a good thing to do. Um, your doctor should be available for televisits. That's what I think. And then we ought to be advocating for that. All right, guys, I love you. And I'm gonna fade this thing because I can. And we are out. Peace. Okay, I faded back in. Let me see how I do this. Here we go. And we are out. <laughs> Peace.